Live from Beit Shemesh and broadcasted around the world, you are listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Nahum Klegman. Interviews and advice from Jewish entrepreneurs from around the world. Listen, learn, be Masliach. Welcome to episode 10 of the From Entrepreneur and today, I have a fantastic young entrepreneur by the name of Aton White, who has started something actually very exciting in Tel Aviv. He started the first wing bar. And uh, some of you may remember the name White from a previous episode I did, episode number two. He is the brother of Amir White. Now, the uh, first time I came across Aton was uh, not in the way you may think, as happens to uh, a lot of entrepreneurs and happened to me literally dozens of times. You know, whenever I get an idea for a business, I decide to, you know, take the first steps. I write it down. I have a special file where I keep all my ideas. And depending on how excited about the idea, I may register a domain name for it. I may create a logo, may even write up a summary. And then I file it away until I'm ready to move forward on it. And it happens to be that, I don't know, I guess probably about six months ago or so, maybe a little bit longer, I was going through um, Entrepreneur Magazine and I was going through the different uh, franchise opportunities. I like to see what's going on in the business world. And, and it looked like that Wings was really taking off in the States. I think Pizza Hut maybe even had their own chain of wing uh, franchises were, you know, flying through the roof and was one of the hottest businesses to start. And I looked around and there was no good wing business, no, you know, wing only or wing bar in Israel. And I said, you know what, you know, that wings would probably be fantastic here. You know, the country already loves schnitzel, right? So you could have wings and you could have the, what they call boneless wings, which is really just uh chicken breast. But we, uh, I, and I'm sure uh, um, the Eitan will give us a little bit more detail on that. But I, I said, this would probably be the perfect thing to start here in Israel, where as far as other restaurants go, this is lower overhead. You need a lower footprint to get started. The food is delicious, fast, just like people like it. And so I started you – know, I actually had a friend of mine who was making Aliyah from the States who had uh, experience in the restaurant business. I also had experience in the restaurant business. I had a restaurant uh, about 22 years ago or so in Yerushalayim. And you know, I started looking into opening up a wings bar here. And I registered the domain name wings.co.il. I uh, was very surprised to see it was available and very excited about it because that was like the perfect domain name that I wanted. And then I actually uh, – I started putting a menu together even and I told my uh, parents about it. And then a couple months after that, uh, my mother came by, I think with an article, I think in the Jerusalem Post, about this guy who's opening up a wing bar in Tel Aviv, an American guy. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm reading the article and I'm like, you know, who's this guy? He's opening up a wing bar. He's taking my idea, you know, but he, he's never going to get the domain name. I got the best domain name. And, you know, whenever that happens to me, I'm just actually very happy because it means that's probably not what I was supposed to be doing. And uh, I'm very happy to see someone, you know, taking a good idea and, and moving forward with it, uh, and especially a young American, you know, living here in Israel. And then I was speaking to Amir, and he told me, oh, yeah, it's my brother that opened up this wing bar. And I'm like, your brother? And like, I, like I, knew, I knew eventually they would ask for the uh, domain name, and I knew eventually I would give it over to them. <laughs> and that actually happened, the, you know, this week. And sure enough... Uh, Eitan uh, reached out to me uh, about the domain name. Hey, and I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you for, you know, what I, whatever the registration cost was. I'm just happy to, uh, you know, sort of live my life or live my idea out through you. <laughs> and, uh, we talked about getting him on the show and we hooked it up. And so I want to welcome to this episode, Eitan White. Eitan, welcome to the show. 
Thank you very much. Uh, it's really nice to be here. So I love a young entrepreneur. I love a guy who has an idea or how he takes an idea. And I heard a little bit about your story, I think, uh, from the press, whatever, and we'll go through it a little bit. But, you know, that you weren't afraid to take the steps forward. Like I, I've known a lot of people in the restaurant business, and it's a tough business here in Israel. And it's even tougher for, I think, an American. But, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the Wing Bar? What's the official name? Wing Bar? It's called uh, Wings Barknafaim because uh, actually there's an interesting law here in Israel in terms of uh, uh, signage on the outside of your store. You must have Hebrew on the sign. It can't be all English. So we had to incorporate, you know, Wings was obviously the, it seemed like the best name to go with, but we had to incorporate Hebrew into it as well. So that's interesting. Yeah. So it's Wings Bar Kanafayim, which is kind of Wings, yeah. Wings dash Bar Kanafayim. Okay. So first of all, I want to hear a little bit more about you. I want to hear, first of all, you're, you're older than Amir, correct? I am. I am the oldest of six. He's number three. Oh, he's number three. He's not even number two. <laughs> well, he's the first to get married and have kids, so he's number one as far as my parents are concerned. I hear. You're married? I am not, actually. How old are you? I'm 30. 30. Okay. So we're going to have to find you a shidduch also. <laughs> and any, uh, you know, from women out there that are into wings, I got a perfect guy for you. So when did you move to Israel? Why did you move to Israel? A little bit about history, where you grew up, that type of thing. Just sure. some background. So I'm from originally from New Rochelle, New York, and I've been living here in Israel now for next month will be eight years, although officially according to Aliyah, it's only about five years. I first came here uh, to do the army, and then after the army, went back home for a few months, and then officially made Aliyah after that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, the decision came when I was actually doing year uh, in yeshiva here, which is in, in in Beit Shemesh actually, Leva Torah. I was the number one. I was the first year there. Oh wow! Um, yeah, since you since you live in the area, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Sure. But uh, yeah, we were the first year. I think they're now just did their 13th year. They just celebrated. Amazing. And it took. I mean, I, I remember I barely even. I didn't even really want to go to the year the gap year program, but uh, I had a lot of friends that were doing it. So I figured, what the hell? Everyone else is doing it. I'm going to jump on the bandwagon and see how it goes. And took about two months till I called my parents and I said, hey, just want to let you know, don't worry, I'm coming back to finish college. But as soon as I'm done, I'm joining the army and I'm going to Israel. Just a heads up. <laughs> so, and they accepted that pretty calmly. I was like, okay, great. Well, I think Glad you're happy. after a couple of years of college, you may change your mind. Uh, I think, well, to be honest, my mother did a year program in Hebrew U and wanted to stay and her mother... Pulled the uh, classic Jewish mother guilt move and made her made her move back. And I think she enjoyed the fact that she got to live vicariously through her children making Aliyah. And then eventually she might join us here as well. God willing. You said there's six of you. How many live here now? So there's um, four boys and two girls, and all the boys live here in Israel. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Yep. That's really so great. makes sense. They'll follow. Okay. So you went to college. Where'd you go? Uh, I started out at uh, – I actually originally did early admissions, left high school a year early, and did uh, two years at Rockland Community College. Okay. Uh, then transferred to University of Maryland. And then uh, basically with the Army – interesting story. The the Army program I joined was called Maha, which is a volunteer program for people who are not citizens. Mm -hmm. And they told me that the cutoff date for joining a combat unit was 23, which turned out – not to be true, as I found out my first day in the Army and met a 29-year-old German guy who was in my unit. Right. Regardless, I had one semester left to finish school, uh, which was I would have turned 23 during that final semester. So I basically left 
college, came here, joined the army, uh, only to find out that, you know, it wasn't something I necessarily needed to do, but that's basically the gap in between my army service and my early hours when I came back to finish my final semester and get my degree. So my degree is actually from Turo in the end because I wasn't able to defer from University of Maryland for two years. That's great. That's a great story. You know, you get that a lot, that a lot in Israel, uh, and those that are living here really know that, that you'll be told something as if it's like 100%, you know, me'achuz, you know, of course. And then you'll find out like a week or months or years like, no, that's not true. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of the one of the most important things I've learned about this country is that nothing's set in stone. And if you yell loud enough, you'll usually get your way. Right. <laughs> so that's crazy. You, you leave school in order to make the cutoff line that didn't really exist. Yeah. But obviously it was all Shkaka Pratis and it was all meant to be. Yeah, I, n- not a thing I regret about any of it. So what was your degree in college? Uh, business management and marketing. Oh, that's perfect. Yep. So how did we get into Wings opening up a restaurant? How did that whole uh, story come? Is that like always something you wanted to do? What were you doing in Israel after the army? So you can actually ask any any member of my family. I, I have always talked about opening up a, a restaurant uh, since I was maybe 12 or 13 years old. But I, I kind of always thought it was going to be something I did when I retired. Because I'd always heard these you know crazy horror stories about restaurants, how hard they are to do, yep. uh, the, the percentage that actually succeed. And I figured, you know what, it's something I'm passionate about. I do enjoy cooking, enjoy food. So you know what, one day, you know, God willing, I'll have enough money that I can kind of do it as a hobby on the side. But uh, basically what happened was, is after I uh, made Aliyah officially after finishing the army, I started working here in high tech and I was working for a startup. Which one? Uh, it was, they don't exist anymore, but they were called Sortal. They were basically a platform that integrated with Facebook to create a period of Facebook store, which I know they still exist right now, but this one didn't make it. Okay. And I was running the fledgling sales department at the time. Mm-hmm. And eventually they failed and I had some free time on my hands. Uh, and the Wings idea had actually been something that had been inspired through my fellow Olim here in Tel Aviv. I had been very involved in the Olim community here in Tel Aviv. I actually have an Amuta that I'm partnering with a few people here where we do uh, what's called White City Shabbat. We do Shabbat meals. We do community stuff around holidays and uh, around Judaism. And, and so part of that involved, I mean, it started with me hosting a lot of meals in my house. And then eventually I met someone who had more community connections and we were able to reach out and start doing, you know, once a month we do a 200 person meal and all the Hagim and yeah, we do I stuff like that. There was something like the biggest Shabbos meal ever. In yes. The we are the first and only world record holders for the largest Shabbat meal in the world. Oh, wow. That's amazing. How did that come about? Like what was, who decided to go for the world record? Uh, so is me and my friend, uh, Jay Schultz, who's the guy who connected me with the community here in, in Tel Aviv. We kind of came up with the idea. I don't even remember what we were doing at the time, but it was just kind of like something silly where we were, we were just like, you know what, what the hell, why don't we go for it? And we have such an amazing community of volunteers and people in this, in Tel Aviv who actually care about this kind of stuff. So we were able to, over time, it took us a real, a long time to put it together, but over time we were able to secure donors, raise some money, uh, and put, and put this whole thing together. It took a lot of effort. And a lot of hard work, but how, uh, how eventually, two thousand two hundred twenty-six. Two thousand two hundred twenty-six. Yeah. My gosh. <laughs> and where, and that, where, where where did it take place? So there's a place called Hangar Eleven in the northern in the port of Tel Aviv in the mall. Sure. Uh, so a good friend of mine is the owner of the place, and he was very excited to help us out. Uh, in fact, he even told me uh, towards the end of the meal, we were sitting down having a few luchaims, and he said, you know, and he's done everything there from, you know, Game of Thrones exhibitions to Idan Reichel concerts to hosting debates amongst politicians, like everything imaginable. It's, it's the biggest venue in all indoor venue in Tel Aviv, as yeah, far as I know. Times. And he said, hands down, this meal was the best thing he has ever used uh, anger for. 
Wow, that's beautiful. How did you? You were in charge of the cooking, or you you hired a caterer? <laughs> we hired a caterer. I was gonna say, uh, yeah, cooking that's, two thousand uh, plus meals. Yeah, that was intense. We even flew in a Guinness judge and everything. It was, it was really one of the most exciting things I've ever had the honor to be involved in. What a kiddush Hashem, too. I assume not everybody that came were from at the time. Uh, I would say the majority probably aren't. I mean, this is Tel Aviv, and even though there is some, definitely some misconceptions about Tel Aviv and, and, and how religious it is, there's definitely a, a very strong and constantly growing religious community in the heart of Tel Aviv with active Olim and Israelis, and it's really amazing to see. And having been here since it really started getting going, it's, it's really exciting. That's beautiful. What a great thing. What a great story. Okay, yeah. so so moving further, so you you had some time in your hands. You were doing this amuta, yeah. getting people into Shabbos, doing meals and cooking and you know, hosting people and what happened? So basically, one of, one of the things I had been doing as, as far as hosting was every uh, the, the one sport I still follow here in Israel is football. Uh, baseball and basketball, well, I used to be a fan, honestly, it just stopped being interesting to me and football is the one thing I follow you know, religiously here in, uh, as far as sports. Right. And, uh, so what I did was, is I was, I was always watching the games Sunday night, you know, I mean, it involves staying up late, but you know, we got to make some sacrifices for the things we love. <laughs> right. And, uh, what, what goes best with football wings. <laughs> so my, my mother used to make, uh, Buffalo wings in the oven back home using pretty much, it was mostly Frank's red hot and, and margarine. And I started playing around with the recipe, improving it as I, as I saw fit. And basically every Sunday night, I would have, I think we started out at maybe like six or seven guys, ended up being eventually 30 guys every Sunday night at my house. Everyone would bring beers and a few shekels to just contribute to the cost. And I would just make kilos upon kilos of wings. Wow. And many, many times they would come up to me and say, wow, these are so amazing. You should open up a restaurant. I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. You know what? I have a job right now. I'm not insane. I'm not going to leave my... You got this but, something after the high tech job? No, this was during. This during was during the, the okay, right. during the whole process, and it just enough people said it, and even a few friends came up to me and said, "Listen, I got some money put away. If you decide to open up a restaurant, let me know. I want to invest." I'm like, "Okay, you know, I'm not doing it right now. We'll see what happens." Anyway, when the company I was working for went under, I took a step back and I was like, "You know what? A number of people said something. A number of people offered me money." you know what, maybe there's something there that I wasn't seeing. If all these people saw it, it's worth looking into. So I guess this is another example. And I have more than a few examples of Ashkacha Pratis in terms of this opening, this venture. There's so many things just kind of fell into place that yeah, it just, it's, it's unimaginable. But one was, uh, for instance, my friend Jay introduced me to, who's currently uh, one of the deputy mayors of uh, Tel Aviv by the name of Asaf Samir. It was during election season. And he happens to be a crazy foodie. And when he heard my idea, he just lit up and he put me in touch with a friend of his who deals with uh, food real estate and uh, restaurant consulting. And this guy I got in touch with and it turned out that he was only in the food real estate business now and didn't no longer did the restaurant consulting. So he put me in touch with his friend who's a restaurant consultant. I sat down with him and he turns out is the son of an Ole. He was born here, but his mother immigrated from, from Europe and had, a, I guess, a soft spot in his heart for Olim and nice. really walked me through the process, held my hand the entire way. And really, I can't speak for other people's experiences, but he really helped make it as painless as possible for something like this in Israel. He helped me every step of the way from negotiations, finding the property, everything I needed. And to this day is a guy I can call on if I just want a favor or need some advice and doesn't cost me a cent. Wow. Well, he did it all for free? No. So listen, there was the restaurant consulting fees and, and in terms of what he normally charges for it. But prior to that, uh, before we, we set up, he really did a lot 
on his own before we were uh, officially working together to help me get get the ball rolling. And even after the fact, I, I mean, I haven't been using them for six months now. And still, every time I need something, you know, he's there to give advice, to help out. Uh, he lets me use his office if I need to have meetings there. It's really, he's he's been a really amazing guy. That's great. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. It's all about helping people. Yep. Yeah, it really That's is. Great. And now, a word from our sponsor. I recently met Shmuley Preisler, VP and Director of Operations of AmeriCard, a popular payment processing company with offices in New York, Toronto, and the UK. We were talking about what I am doing with the From Entrepreneur podcast and how I love helping my fellow From Entrepreneurs so that they will be more successful. He said he also wanted to help out other From Entrepreneurs. And so together, we put together an amazing deal on credit card processing just for our listeners. And I've already introduced a few customers for him to take him up on his offer. With AmeriCard, there are no hidden fees. Transactions are in your account in 12 hours. They have awesome customer service and the rates cannot be beat. To learn more about this amazing deal, please check out the show notes for the episode at FromEntrepreneur.com. Or if you can't wait, call 1-877-855-VISA and ask for Shmuley. Tell him I sent you and he will get you in on this offer. I fully back them and I thank them for being our first sponsor. And now, back to the show. That's great. So, okay. So, I mean, let's go take it slow. So this guy helped find a location, plan your menu, raise money. I mean, obviously, you know, to open up a restaurant, you know, I would assume costs at least $100,000, uh, depending on renovations, depending on size and everything else. So how did that happen? So basically there was an initial investment that was needed just to really see if the idea was viable right. to kind of do the market research and whatnot. And that was actually a good friend of mine who came in on the ground floor, put up the money uh, to see if it was happening, knowing that, you know, there was a chance he might never see that money again. <laughs> he took the risk because he believed in the idea. He believed in me. And that was the initial uh, seed funding to get the ball rolling. I also did take out a loan through Karen Hamidina, through the, through the government. They have small business loans for people in general, and they also have um, a different rate for Olim Khadashim, right. uh, up to a certain amount. And the rest was uh, personal investment as well, more or less my, my life savings. So. <laughs> wow. That's fantastic. I mean, everybody putting in the, you know, bringing the dream uh, to fruition. So your, your market research basically told you that there was a need for it, or that there was this type of idea would be successful? So yeah. So basically, I, I even remember the first time I met with this consultant and I explained to him my idea and he was like, just wings, you know, you should probably do other stuff and you should have this and you should have that. And I was like, listen, before we go anywhere, how about you come over to my place? We'll do a tasting. I'll make a bunch of different types of wings. And then you tell me what you think. So he came over. I had made eight different types of wings for him, as well as a couple of uh, sides, some onion rings, stuff along that line, right. and uh, set out the whole thing for him. And this is what he does for a living, which actually, I wish I had known about this restaurant consulting business. Might, might have been something I would have jumped into first, because basically, he gets to create restaurants and do tastings at all of them whenever he wants. So I, I, he, he lives a good <laughs> life. He lives a good life. Uh, He's anyway, like, he came I don't over. know if that's a good. I got to come back tomorrow and try a few more recipes. Yeah, no, no joke. I mean, seriously. <laughs> uh, so he came over. He came over with his partner, and they tried uh, all the different wings. And he walked out, and he was, and he said, "You know what? I was wrong. This is a fantastic idea. Let me run it by a few people. I think this is something that could work." I didn't really realize there were so many different things you could do with wings. I didn't realize you had this many recipes. So our next step was to find a what they call a culinary consultant in the business. It's someone who basically helps you. While I've been cooking at home for a long time, there's a major difference between what you serve in your house and what you serve at a restaurant in terms of creating consistency. I mean, I'm more, you know, I 
when I'm looking to make something. Streamlining preparation. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and simplifying recipes where they don't need to be complicated and just you know, measuring it out. I'm more of, I kind of eye things out. At home, when I'm making something, I don't really follow the recipe. So this was an opportunity to really break it down into something, you know, that made sense for everyone, not just the way I looked at it. So we shopped around for a chef for a little while. And one of this guy's, his good friend was this guy by the name of Leon Alkali. Anyone who's involved in the in the culinary world here in Israel is familiar with him. I, I, he's the first guy who ever had his own cooking show in Israel. He's um, one of the owners and the founder of uh, Tony Vespa Pizza, which is like the biggest pizza place in Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually just had another TV show recently that came out. He's he's basically like the foremost Italian chef or one of the foremost Italian chefs in Israel. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, my, my my friend, the consultant, basically used to go to him every once in a while for advice. Right, And he asked him what he thought about the idea. And his response was, this is genius. Like for 10 years, I've had this idea in my head. And I just like, he kind of stepped you know, out. I don't feel opening. so bad anymore. I only had it for like a couple <laughs> months. So. <laughs> I think you had it before, a little bit before me. Because I remember when I first opened up the restaurant and I looked at the acquiring a domain name, you, you, it had already been acquired. <laughs> so you've had, it, you've had it for at least a year is my assumption. Right. So basically he, you know, he said, great idea. I've been thinking about this. For a while, uh, also for those who are familiar, it's non-kosher, but there's a restaurant called Giraffe in Tel Aviv, which is like the, it's a very like very big Thai food, uh, Thai noodle restaurant chain, which he also built the original menu for, which is one of the other things he's well known for. And he said he's like there was two things I always wanted to open up. He's like a Thai noodle place, which he did the recipe for. He's like and a wings place. Huh. So the guy, uh, the consultant, basically told him it's like sorry, you don't fit our budget because we'd already built the budget in terms of what a consultant's supposed to cost. Right. And. Uh, he said, you know, we're looking elsewhere because we, we can't afford you. Right. And he turned to me. He's like, listen, I want to meet the guy who's this idea. Is. I want to sit down. I want to talk to him. Set up the meeting regardless of cost. Okay, great. So we sit down. We talk. He pulls out. First thing were we you, do is he pulls out. Are about meeting him? I mean, this is a guy who's, you know. So I, I, I was unfamiliar with, with his level of uh, fame at that point. I, uh-huh. I figured it out later it on. Another, but, uh, another cook. It was like, I knew he was a big deal. And he was definitely eccentric individual. Who, I, who I'm lucky to count as a friend at this point. Uh, we really had a, a, a great time building the menu. But he basically showed up with a notebook packed with ideas that he'd been working on for years as far as recipes and whatnot. For wings? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And after we sat down, we met. He agreed to lower his price to match what we were willing to pay. Wow, that's amazing. Just because he was excited to work on the idea, and we really had kind of – there was a Kesha there. That's great. Uh, that's a story. I mean, yeah, there you so, are. You're getting the top of the line, top to the top, and for a price that's probably unbeatable. And the guy who took real interest in you, interest in the idea. I mean, I'm looking at the menu now. You have some like really creative things: the Mumbai coconut milk curry, mango, and apples. Wings. Yeah, that's all him. That's something I never would have even considered putting right. together. Uh, coconut milk curry and peanut butter. Yeah, that um, one's also quite excellent. Another one of his. Wow, and uh, you know, it's just the sesame and honey. Was this? I don't even know how to pronounce the Chicago. What is that? So sriracha. It's a very, very well-known Thai hot sauce that's very big in the states right now. But yeah, that was actually. So I guess we'll get to that in a little bit. But my, the, my, uh, the guy I have helping me run the place, who's now brought in as a partner, his manager by the name of Robert Benor, and he's a chef by trade. And uh-huh. I brought him in to help me manage the place, which was also another how I met this guy and how perfect we worked together. It's really just. This is another example of, uh, like I said, a shkacha pratis, but uh, he's added a few recipes to the menu, and that happens to be one of one of them. Uh, was the sriracha honey and thyme? 
Yeah, quite excellent. Nice mix of sweet and spicy. Beautiful. And then I see you have now all your wings that come in boneless and in on the bone. So we have two different uh, batters for the wings. We have uh, what we call the crispy wings, which is coated in a cornstarch. So it happens to be gluten free, mm-hmm. which we are, we're very happy to publicize to people in Tel Aviv because there are a lot of people here that, that care about that, even though we wouldn't have done it any other way. Cornstarch is the way to go if you're coating your wings, makes right. them extra crispy. Uh, and we have a beer batter, which is a uh, beer batter with panko, basically just uh, beer, flour, and then rolled in panko. What's panko? Uh, which makes uh, panko, it's uh, these Japanese breadcrumbs. Oh, okay. And then we have the boneless option, which we call popcorn chicken, which is basically these little cubes of pargit that are rolled in a cornstarch, white wine, and a uh, spice mixture, and then fried. And then you can have that either plain, which is excellent plain. So, so are the wings, actually. Just straight up corn cornstarch fried wings happen to be amazing. Blew my mind the first time I tried them. But, uh, yeah, the popcorn chicken is available with all the sauces as well, and that's our boneless option. And we use, instead of just, you know, chazeov, the chicken breast, we use um, we use pargit, which makes it nice and extra juicy. Juicy, yeah. Wow. It's an exciting menu. It's a fun menu. I mean, it's, uh, you know, always something new to try. And how big is the place you have? How uh, First of all, where is it located? So it's located on uh, Herschel Street, number 12 in uh, Tel Aviv, which is south borderline of South Tel Aviv, right in between Rothschild and Leland Bloom, uh, a pretty high traffic area. And, and since, since we keep coming back to this whole concept of this is actually, I remember when I was first thinking about the wings place, before I even committed to anything, I said to myself, if I'm going to open up a place, it's got to be, and I'm not even joking, I found a, a location three weeks into when I was looking on the exact block that I had originally thought of a year wow. earlier. And I, I was convinced that that wasn't going to happen. You know, I started looking and I said, okay, there's no way this is going to happen. And it just, it worked out that the exact place to within a, a, a 50 meter radius of what I wanted, I found. And it just, it worked out amazingly. That's amazing. That's because it t- I know, I yeah. know uh, in the restaurant business, location is key. And then to sometimes find the right place and everything that could go wrong with the place could take many months before you find something that's matim. Yeah. So that was actually one of the few, my consultant, one of the great things about him is he was notoriously pessimistic about everything. He always, <laughs> he always thought of the worst case scenario and that's what he, and I guess when you, when you're constantly working in the restaurant business and most of them don't make it, that's probably the proper way to go about it. And the only two times I ever saw him excited and with like a smile, a real genuine smile on his face was when we found the location and when we hired the guy, I brought in Robert to help me manage the place. It was the only two things I ever saw him excited about <laughs> during the entire process. And it was funny watching him when we went into the place. All, all he did, like a good Israeli, all he did was point out the flaws in the place to the owners <laughs> and complain and complain and complain. And the moment we walked out and the owners walked away, he pulled he me said, aside. He's like, <laughs> he's like, we need this place now. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> so how big is the place? So it's uh, about 70 square meters total. It's two floors. The upstairs, we have uh, two bathrooms and storage is pretty much all the upstairs. And downstairs, we have the kitchen with uh, the counter in front and about, yeah, we only have about a little less than 20 seats. I think it's 18 or 19 seats. I was going to ask you, how much of your business is delivery? So we started delivery about three months after opening and it took off, uh, by the way, September 16th was our official opening date. So we actually have about Three and a half months to go till our one-year anniversary. Wow. 
Okay. Uh, which we're excited for. So yeah, it's like I was saying in terms of like seating, it's not it's it's not a lot. I, I I'll be honest. There are certain nights where there's no question we're losing customers because there's a line out the door and there's nowhere to sit. Right. Uh, in fact, I've had a few people c- complain on our on our Facebook page regarding this, and it, giving us. It, it's funny. People don't realize how it affects a business, but uh, the ability to to complain online and post reviews and whatnot. I've literally had people go on our Facebook page and give us a, a one one or two star rating because we didn't have enough seats for them when they wanted to come by. Ah, uh, it's a shame. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's really a. Uh, I mean, that could happen uh, any day. If you had a hundred seats and there was just not enough room, you know, people can complain. But that's not something you should uh, write negative stars about. Yeah, you'd think, but uh, customers are very are very picky here, and we're trying to bring a very American style customer service uh, mentality to uh, the business here. Right. Which and is it is welcome, and I've, I've noticed it actually works quite well here. It's funny, it, it, Israelis. Even though I would say about 50% of our clientele is probably English speaking, yeah. uh, we have, um, I'd say, 30, 30 to 40% Israeli, and the rest probably fit into uh, European, like French, Italian kind of market, maybe Russian as well, you could probably throw in there. Uh, the Israelis, they're not really used to be treated well by, <laughs> by the people that are serving them. And, it, and it's funny because remember when we were first opening, we had massive lines out the door. Uh, right. Things have things have calmed down now. They're still going well, but our first few weeks of opening were truly mind blowing. Right, and you see, like you know, there's a huge line. And people are waiting. You know, we weren't necessarily prepared for that kind of demand. So, you know, for a fast food place, for you to wait 15 minutes for an order, that's that's a long time. Right, and you'd see people out there, you know, looking bummed or a little bit angry. And so, what would we do? We'd put out, you know. We throw in a bunch of extra wings or some fries and just put them out and hand them out to people to eat or offer someone a free drink. And I noticed almost to a T with Israelis, when you offered them something, when you basically went up to them and said, hey, I'm really sorry that this uh, is taking so long. Can I get you a free drink? Can I get you something? Almost to a man, they would say no, but immediately turn friendly for offering it to them. <laughs> Americans, on the other hand, and by the way, the Israelis we'll they, say, they would yeah, look at you kind of strangely. <laughs> yeah, they look. Yeah, the Israelis would look at you a little bit strangely, like, "What is going on here right now?" Right. Like, I'm confused. I don't. I don't. I don't want what you're selling, but I'm going to smile now. These mind <laughs> tricks you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The Americans, though, you're like, "Hey, would you like a free beer or free whatever?" They're like, "Yes, of course I would." Be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. How much of your business would you say? Is uh, walking off the street, like people just walking by as opposed to people seeking you out? So uh, we definitely have a lot of people seeking us out. Although the people who are seeking us out are almost exclusively uh, Americans or English speakers. Uh, even people coming as far away as the Gush for a night out with like family and they'll come out here to try the Wings place because they heard about it. It really – it seems to have spread – like wildfire amongst the uh, English-speaking community because, I mean, in the States, if you think about it, Wings is a big thing, but – I, I mean, as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, none of those places are kosher. Right. I think I did see a much – no, I don't think there's any exclusive wing place. I think you have like schnitzies and other schnitzel places, but to do like a, a kosher wings place in the States, I guess I haven't seen. Yeah. As far as I know, seen. yeah, it's just so – so people, they're very excited. They're like, okay, I'm, I'm born in the States. Uh, I'm religious. I know wings are a big deal in America, but I've never really had them outside of, you know, just as an entree at a place where they have one flavor and it's really not the thing they do. So they may not do it the best, but here, this is what we focus on. I mean, one of, one of the best compliments I ever had regarding my place is one thing I never wanted to be is I didn't want to be the best wings place, you know, for Israel. 
mean, yeah. there are other people that have wings here, and granted, we are the only wings place that deals exclusively in wings in the country, but right. I wanted these to be good wings as far as wings are considered. That's it. And America is the wings probably capital of the world as far as it goes. I right. mean, the, the amount of wings that Americans consume is, is mind-boggling. But yes, I just one of the fastest-growing restaurant chains or wing, uh, yeah, wing uh, franchises. I think on Super Bowl Sunday, there's some insane statistic about how many billions of wings that are eaten. It's, it's ridiculous. Right. But uh, one of the greatest things was when I had someone who came in. She was visiting from the States, from Buffalo. Her favorite <laughs> place was Anchor Bar, the place where the buffalo wings were invented. Right. And while she did say that she felt the Anchor Bar ones were better, she right. felt that these were excellent, and she would definitely come back, and they were really quality wings. And that was the moment well, that's where a I was compliment. like, that, that's yeah. great. So that, that meant that meant a lot to hear. And I've had a few people still from people who came from non-religious backgrounds in the States used to have their, their local wing place, whether it was Duff's in Toronto or the Wing Dome in, uh, in Seattle, places that deal specifically in wings and have dozens upon dozens of flavors. And right. they come and they come back to my place consistently and always have a nice thing to say and say that it really is comparative. And that's, and that's, that's what I was great. going for. That's beautiful. So I cut you off before we changed the topics, but just in terms of deliveries, so you started doing deliveries about three months ago. Right. So we've had a little learning curve in, in regards to that. We originally started with this uh, delivery company that we used that in the end we decided it was a bit subpar. So we essentially switched to, to, to another delivery company. Uh, but basically I would say the delivery has definitely boosted our sales. There's no question that there are some people that probably would have come in regardless, but now the delivery option is available. They are, they are, um, they're taking delivery instead. Right. I, I, it really blows your mind sometimes to see how close the delivery is. Like someone from two blocks over, rather than get out of their house, they order <laughs> delivery. But uh, we're really, we're really trying to get into it. We just, uh, for instance, worked with, we're working with Sefer Ochel now, which is like one of the, as far as I know, I think they're one of the biggest disseminators of restaurant delivery information in the country. They put out a book every year that goes around to everyone until being free. Right. Uh, they have their own website. Anyway, we developed a, we, we had a loyalty app that we had developed with another company. And uh, the one thing they didn't have, even though it was a fantastic loyalty app, uh, which people can go and download, it, they didn't have the delivery function. So basically what we did was we went to Safer Ochel and we built uh, an app with them, which we just finished building the other day, which is now active. Uh, the app part actually is not attached yet to the loyalty app, but you can go online and uh, eventually it'll be available through our Facebook page. And we already have noticed the more we we put our name out there in terms of the delivery sites and, and the more we get technologically involved with like this application, it definitely has increased deliveries. It's about making it as easy as, as possible. Which is fantastic. I think I mean, that's definitely the way, especially in Tel Aviv. If you have an app that could just quickly order within, you know, three minutes and just get what yeah, you yeah. want and have it delivered. That's definitely the future and the, and the way to go. Is your app in uh, English and in Hebrew? So uh, it's mostly in Hebrew. There are certain parts that are in English as well. We really basically had, the problem is, is that this kind of technology, I guess, there probably aren't that many places that have like a strong desire for exclusively English or, or in both English and Hebrew in terms of their uh, applications. I mean, there must not be because most of these places you can build one in English or in Hebrew. Uh, and that would involve spending double on an app you know, to make an English and Hebrew version. So we tried to make it as simple as possible. Certain stuff is in English and Hebrew, but it's a pretty straightforward application that shouldn't be, as long as you have a basic grasp of the Hebrew language, it should be easy enough to use. Right. Um, well, I mean, but, a, lot of, a lot of the words you use may not translate well in Hebrew, you know, in terms of uh, your uh, wings names. It's true. It's true. <laughs> That's true. We, I mean, we do have, what we're going to try and do is at least, uh, at least for the website, which we'll be 
putting up uh, soon now that we have the domain name <laughs> thanks to you is we will have obviously the options all available in English and in Hebrew and uh, eventually with the application we will transfer it over to English as well since uh, most of our clientele does speak English. Most of them can get by on a Hebrew menu but most of them speak English as a native language so it definitely is important to us. All, all of our employees for instance speak both. We, oh, we, won't, we won't hire someone if they only speak one. You have to oh, speak interesting. Both. Very interesting. Yeah. How many employees yeah. do you have now? So we have usually it's, it's, it's me or my, or my partner, the manager running we're always one of us is always there one person on the register and two people in the kitchen so at any at any given time there's between three and four people there always so it's not really waiter service it's more come up no it's pretty it's small enough that all you need to do is just call up call out the name and uh it's Uh yeah and they come up and they get their order that's great okay so you know this has been really fantastic so far uh just what is the vision where do you see yourself two years, five years down the road. What do you want to do with this? Okay. So right now I, I'm actually already out there shopping around for investors to open up a branch in Jerusalem. I've already been there out scouting locations and looking at real estate, uh, some very exciting options over there. Uh, that's our next step. If I was still living in Jerusalem at the time, Jerusalem would be my number one place to open up a place like this. Tel Aviv would have been the second, but uh, it would have involved to open up the first location. It would have involved me moving back to Jerusalem and I'm pretty settled here at the moment. So we started in Tel Aviv and now we're looking to go uh, towards Jerusalem. So as far as that's my next step, as far as the next year or two. Uh, saying, so, but you're looking at to franchise it or you're looking at to open it so, up? So that one I want, I want to own myself. That one is a, I believe Jerusalem has the best a place in the center. Jerusalem has the, the largest potential out of any of the branches I could possibly open in the country. Right. And that, that I, it would be, it would be a shame to only be taking a small percentage of that and hand it out franchise wise, even though I've been asked on a number of occasions already about opening up the franchise about someone else taking it as a franchise. So this is more, we're looking for investors, but we're looking to run the place ourselves. Right. So between me and now that the fact that I have my the guy who help, helps me manage, Robert, between the two of us, we can go back and forth um, until it's up and running smoothly. Uh, the key will obviously be to really find uh, someone we really trust management-wise there. But right. um, that's as far as our short-term goals in the next couple of years. Five years down the road, I mean, once, once the place in Jerusalem's up and running, I, I, I think that that would be... I think the potential that's available there would be a really good selling point to jump into the uh, possibility of franchising. Until that place is really up and running, also, if someone were to come up to me and say, you know, tomorrow, hey, I want to buy a franchise in Renata, I'm ready for it. I don't even really know what I would ask from them. I don't really, there's not enough. I have one store in, Jeru- in, in Tel Aviv. So right. it's, it's really, I don't know if that's a good enough baseline at the moment. Right. So so it's you see, to, once you can replicate it and see that the replication works, then you know you have something to sell. Exactly. And then after Jerusalem's been up and running for, I would say, at least six months to a year, I'll be open to franchising in the future, which is where I think that's obviously the ideal place to be as far as I'm concerned. What about sporting events? You know, in America, you get, you know, you go to Shea Stadium or whatever and Yankee Stadium, get a vending cart or you know, is that something that you could see yourself doing or is that something you thought about? It's interesting in terms of – it really depends on location as far as laws go because I mean, we've, we've catered events before in terms of providing – the Lone Soldier Center here ordered, you know, enough wings for 100 people for an event they did and we put them in giant in giant pan, uh, tin, tin, aluminum pans and set them over there. And everyone had a blast and it was great and it was fantastic and everyone, everyone had nothing but good things to say. But I know personally, at least from my own personal standards – Wings that are they're not fresh. Once you're eating them, like if they've been sitting in a in a pan an hour and a half later and reheated, it's not the same thing. It's not as good. Right. So right. ideally, I'd like to be able to find. And like I said, it depends on location and and, and the, the licensing rules and laws associated with that in terms of setting up a fryer and frying them fresh on location. There are a few places where that might be possible, but there are a lot of places where I know it's not. 
I mean, I know we did we did this past year. We did a Super Bowl party. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm sure uh, that's uh, probably a big day for you guys. Yeah, so we did it at, at Hangar Eleven, and they gave us today <laughs> have a kitchen there, and uh, we basically rented out a bunch of uh, electric fryers and made them fresh on location there. That was amazing. It was great. We had about 200 people, I would say, along those lines. And it was such a good success that uh, me and the owner of the hangar, like I said, as a friend, we're, we're already talking. In a few months, we're going to sit down again and, and start talking about next year's Super Bowl. And we want to make it something that you will never be able to forget. We want, we want to work. This was just like my Super event. Bowl. You had the biggest Shabbos meal ever. You had the biggest <laughs> Super Bowl party ever. So I doubt that because being in the States, I feel like you can't, you can't beat that out. We'll definitely have the right. biggest one in Israel. We'll definitely have the biggest one in Israel, but he has some very exciting ideas that I'm very excited to, to, to work on with him because the last time it was really just me. We rented the fryers, we rented out a, a giant big screen and speakers and tables and chairs and that was basically it. He's got some very interesting ideas. So everyone should definitely keep posted for our Super Bowl party next year because I have a feeling that's going to be one to for the record books, yeah. Fantastic. Now, just to end off, what would you say was the best advice that you've received? As far as advice, I don't know if I could put nail it down to, to a specific piece of advice. Uh, if I could pass along a piece of advice, though, that would be fantastic. Uh, it, it would be, especially if you're if you're going to be starting a business, you should not be doing it unless it is something you are passionate about. This isn't the first business I've started. I had another one that was in the construction business, and I believe it was a good idea, but it was something I eventually, you know, exciting while it was at first, a few months in, I realized I was not passionate about it. I wasn't waking up in the morning excited to go out and do and do the work, and it just, it really affected the quality of, like, how I ran the business and, and, and everything around it, everything associated with it. When you're doing something you're passionate about, there, it takes on a whole new light, and it no longer becomes work. I don't know who it is I'm quoting here, uh, but I've, I've heard this. I've heard this many times. They say, <laughs> "Yeah, it's it's basically if you love your job, it's not a job." You know, it, it, exactly. That's sorry. That's that's the words. But yeah, if you love your work, you never have to work a day in your life. Exactly. Um, and and that's really the way I feel. And it's it, it makes it. It takes on a whole nother level compared to every other job I've ever had and prior businesses that I've started. And right, this is it, not a job. You're an entrepreneur. You have your own wing restaurant. Yeah. You're, you're living every day with full of excitement and life and the future looks great and, you know, it's yeah. really fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's really very exciting. And, and one other thing as well, which is something I did learn, it's not necessarily a piece of advice. This is for my, my time in the Army. I know not everyone has done the Army or will do the Army, but it's still a piece of advice that applies to everyone. Because one thing I learned when I was there is that the limitations you put on yourself uh, mentally, they're really not there. It's just a matter of, it, it's really a mental game. You have to push yourself. But whatever it is, if anyone were to take a step back right now and say, well, this is something I can't do, it's probably not true. It's just your brain telling you that that's the case. And really, almost anything is possible as long as you put your mind to it. And you got to be willing to take that step forward and take that risk. You, you mentioned at the beginning, you said you admired the fact that I wasn't afraid to take the risk and move forward. But to be honest, I was terrified. I still am. I still am on a daily basis. This is scary stuff. It's not that easy. And right. but but it's something I believe in. It's something that there's no question it takes courage to do. But just because you're scared doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing. You just got to work past it. You got to if you believe in the idea, you got to follow it. Beautiful. Really, really great advice. You know, just one more thing, and then we'll uh, we'll call uh, a wraps. That was a reference to Morty. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know when I had I had a pizza restaurant back in the day and i thought it was like amazingly and exciting that hey i could have as much pizza as i want whenever <laughs> i want and i think like after a week i just got sick of it are you sick of wings yet or 
How's so I'm not, and it took me a lot longer than a month to get uh, to not to not be having it multiple times a day. But basically, I, I eventually had to, I had to take a step back and be like, listen, you know, three fried meals a day probably isn't the best thing for my heart. Uh, this is not to dissuade anyone from coming to Wings as, as often as possible, but uh, but I was definitely eating too much, and I still have it. Uh, on occasion, and uh, I never get sick of it. I mean, no joke. It's really, it blows my mind. I, I've made comments to you before how, I, how I'm still can't. I'm not tired of it, and I probably never will be tired of it. But uh, I, I definitely cut cut myself back a little bit just because you know. I guess I guess you gotta throw you gotta throw a salad in every once in a while. You know. What's your favorite wings on the menu? Uh, so it's between the Buffalo and the Chicago. I like spicy foods myself. The Buffalo uh, is our number one bestseller. And I was I was making that for years before we ever opened the place. That's great. The Chicago, which That's my partner made, wing. yeah. So in the Chicago, I think those two of them between the two of them, they're actually our two best sellers hands down, probably Buffalo and then Chicago. Right. But I've always I've always been partial to spicy foods, and those two are the ones that really you know speak to me. And nine times out of ten, when I place an order wings, those are the ones that I'm, I'm going for. That's great. All right, Eitan, we could keep going for a long time, but this has <laughs> been absolutely fantastic, full of useful information, a great story. I want to wish you continued Hatzlacha and uh, Mazel, and you should continue to open up stores and uh, have success in your business and uh, keep inspiring. Thank you very much. It was, a, it was a real pleasure to meet you and speak with you here on uh, your show. Excellent. Then. All right. Have a great one. You too. Have a nice day. Thank you for listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with Nahum Kligman. We hope you learned something valuable and will share this with your friends. For show notes, archives of previous episodes, and more information to help you start and grow your business, please visit our website, www.fromentrepreneur.com. Listen, learn, be Masliak.